Welcome to another episode of SMX Insider. We are your insiders, Jason Wigan and Daniel Blair, reviewing Oakland's round Monster Energy Supercross, Super Motocross World Championship. Daniel, last week we said that unfortunately Chase Sexton has been cast as the tragic heartbreak hero of this drama. He must be going for an Emmy because he played the role to a T again. Just in case you didn't know what his character traits are in this story, he he want to make sure you knew. And and honestly, Weech, I feel gutted for him. I've watched the video like 20 times. I, I'm having a hard time actually breaking this one down and finding what went wrong when you when you narrow the scope on the details. Um, but yeah, as far as the show goes and the story, it's just gut wrenching for the guy, and and I feel for him. But at the same time, he is creating his own legacy. If he wants to, if he is able to overcome this thing and get past the finish line and become a champion, especially this year, it ends up being one of the most awesome stories ever because he is just having gut-wrenching failure over and over and over. And I think if he overcomes, it could be the most magical story ever. So that's the positives for him. But man, that was a tough one. Yeah, in the moment, it keeps feeling so horrible. But again, he's still in the championship. He could easily turn it around. It's like... uh... Taylor Swift says it's exhausting rooting for the anti-hero. And then taking advantage of that is uh, Eli Tomac. You and I have talked about this in many different forums. Cooper Webb has his strengths. Chase Sexton has his strengths. But across the board on the averages, Tomac's just a little bit better right now. Yeah, Cooper Webb is the master of the last five minutes. But his first 15 minutes, they, it needs work. It really does. He admitted that. And Chase Sexton, as we have seen now multiple times, absolutely has mastered 15 minutes. But his last five minutes need a little bit of work, obviously. The problem for those guys is Eli Tomac isn't weak anywhere. And maybe he's not as strong as Sexton in the 15. Maybe he's not as strong as Cooper in the five. But he's better than them across the board, which is why he has four wins out of six, a seven-point lead on both of them. And, yeah, they have work to do. And all Eli has to do is make sure he shows up at his best because he has everything covered. He just doesn't have... The, the eliteness in every category, but doesn't need it. And that's that, that's the issue for Webb and Sexton. You can be elite all you want in categories, but unless you have it all covered, um, you're not going to beat Eli Tomek. And the best part is, Jason, we get to continue this story next week in Arlington. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be emotions flying all over the place. But luckily, we're able to bring someone on today who can share with us what it's like to capture those highs and lows right after the checkered flag. All right, it's time for the big interview. On our show, we try to give you some of the behind-the-scenes inside access that you don't get anywhere else. So we're going to bring on a photographer from Align Media, joined by my buddy, Mike Emery. And the reason we want to highlight this is because I think mechanic, video, and photography, those are the three jobs I hear the most people say they want to have in this industry. So, Mike, tell everybody how gnarly your weekend schedule is, and that might tell people maybe this isn't the job for them. I'll say, I'll start off by saying the mechanics jobs probably gnarlier, but that's just that. But yeah. thanks for having me on, guys. Um, our weekend, we start on Friday. We have to shoot press. Um, I mean, we have a bunch of deliverables every week. So Friday is chill and it's actually enjoyable. We get to talk to people. Everyone's more mellow. But that being said, we kind of cruise the pits, get everything going. That's a mellow day. Saturday, get there early say hour and a half or so before track walk shoot bikes shoot riders walking in track walk and then you're straight to the photo den everybody wants pictures so a big part of our job send photos send photos send photos then you have a little window before practice get out there shoot some guys getting on bikes run back to the stadium shoot practice um 
again, send photos, send photos, send photos. So everything that everyone sees on Instagram or Facebook or whatever has to come from somewhere. Therein lies all of us photograph people doing yeah. our job. So. so Mike, what is that moment like? Again, your long day all comes down to this moment at the very end when you're down there with the winner, with the loser, kind of taking in those emotions. So a two-part question. Number one, what's it like just emotional to be in that environment? And number two, what do you hear down there? Because I have to imagine sometimes when people are really successful, like they might say things that you didn't expect. And sometimes when you fail, you say things you didn't expect. So have you ever caught anything where you're like, whoa? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the moments, that's like what we do it for. I think everyone that's in this, it's incredible to watch people succeed like lifetime goals. And it doesn't matter who wins. You're stoked for that guy. Like you're watching somebody succeed. Right. And as a photographer, you're capturing it. So that's like the coolest thing. And I love emotion. So that being said, like we're in that really intimate setting, capturing it where you're hearing things that you definitely wouldn't hear on TV, where these guys have to get that out. And then once the cameras come on them, Oh yeah, you know, it was a great, we tried our best, but, all the F-bombs have already been, you know, said. And uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a weird situation because you put your camera in their face a little bit, but they know they know what we're doing and that's our job. So it's like walking a line, you know, you sort of like, ooh, I want to get this photo of this guy that's just crushed just as much as I want to get the photo of the guy that just won. And those are storyline photos that tell the story. So like Chase this week on the podium, he was just leaned against the, against the, hole next to the trophies he just looked like he was just like but that's part of it right and we'll capture him when he gets the win on the other side same with cooper he was just fired up like he wanted that win but he was also proud that he did so well so it's cool like it but it's also a respect thing and trust you know they know we're not gonna we're in that moment so it's on us to keep that to ourselves a little bit and like you know if something crazy was said that doesn't leave that that spot you know we're always cautious. We're never going to compare what we do in the media to, to the riders. They're the real heroes. But you and I have had conversations about everyone that's out the track, whatever job we all have, we're all ambitious enough to try to be the best. So talk about the pressure, your focus, your goals, your ambition to nail it, nail the photo, be in the right place at the right time, and honestly just not screw up in the same way the riders feel that pressure. That is, it's funny, like, I joke to the riders, I'm like, why do you guys need three practices? I got to do my job first practice, like, <laughs> just messing with them. But yeah, it's, it. there's only one finish line. You can't mess that up. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. And I sort of relate with, not saying at all I can relate to the riders, but when guys have a bad weekend, like, I have bad weekends. You guys probably have bad weekends. Like, you're not going to nail it every weekend. So it's like being okay with, you know, I got the job done. I might not have gotten like my favorite portfolio work ever, but we did our job, right? So yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And also like, I have a lot of pride in what I do. Like, I always wanna improve. I wanna do the best work I can do and provide people that trust us with that, right? So yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it, it's a grind though. Like, like I told you, like we're, at the end of the night, we have to do the hardest work when we're the most tired, you know? Like super fast decision-making and so, but I love it, I mean. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. So uh, back to the grind. We'll see you this weekend. 2,000 more photos coming from Align Media for a variety of clients <laughs> this Saturday. We'll see you at 1 a.m. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Jason. 30-second board is up. The anticipation is building. The revs, the drop at the gate. Here we go. My favorite part of the show. I want to start with the whoops, skimmers, and jumpers. 
We saw Jet Lawrence go through the whoops at 150 mile an hour in his heat race. We saw Eli Tomac go through him at five mile an hour on the last lap of the main event. Jumpers and skimmers and everything in between. Yeah, the Oakland track was a big talking point in general. The double set of gnarly whoops with a six whoop dragon back in between. Like you said, you could see it. You could see the difference between jumping and skimming. Cooper Webb regrets. He said he probably started jumping too early. It's bad habits from back in the day when he was a jumper all the time. He thinks he's got a motorcycle that could have skimmed longer and faster in the main. He didn't do it. It might have cost him the win. Tomac went back and forth with skimming and jumping while trying to figure out how to keep up with Sexton. So I think it's really cool to see it in complete display. Like anyone, even if you were new to the sport, could have seen where they were gaining losing time to each other i think that's really really neat and you don't get to see that all the time on these tracks and that leads to the weather look we could have had a 1982 style supercross track with barely any obstacles which is what they were going to do to try to get through the mud race that oakland would have been after anaheim won instead they postponed it we had beautiful weather and an absolute monster of a racetrack day great day beautiful weather my friends and family from norcal said it was awesome and you're right, if they ran it back in January, they would have been riding around with their legs out, hoping to just get through the track. So we wouldn't have been able to see the jumping and the skimming of the whoops and the option. We wouldn't have been able to see Cooper Webb pull off that late race quad over the tabletop. We would have been able to see Jet trying to quad everything in his heat race for whatever reason, I don't understand. We would have never seen any of that if we did race back in January. So I think the decision was right to, to, to postpone, obviously for a lot of different reasons. But what we got out of tonight was a, a great night of racing, a, a lot of talent and mistakes on display, which I think is huge for the sport. And we had a chance to see two of the grittiest gladiators of absolute all time come back. They, they are the, the gladiators of our day that, you know, you go back to the Coliseum days where you're fighting lions and whatever. That's RJ Hampshire and Cameron McAdoo. And we, they were the story, not because of just their toughness. But look at the quality of riding they put it. Andre gets a second in his heat, or wins his heat, gets second in the main. McAdoo's on the podium. So give him the award as the grittiest dudes of all time. But it's more than that because they're successful while barely keeping this thing together. Yeah, McAdoo had to have his arm drained four times between Anaheim 2 and now to be able to race. And Hampshire was even worse. He had to check himself in and out of the ER due to internal bleeding. And that doesn't even count the separated shoulder that he had taped down to be able to race. But these guys are so known for this. We've seen Hampshire go in and out of ER onto the podium before. McAdoo with that all-time crazy week in Atlanta a couple years ago. They're both kind of tired of that being their brand. McAdoo said in the press conference, it's not about that. I got thirds of the third best rider. I'm not talking about the injuries. And Hampshire told me before the race, he had kept all this quiet because he's also not looking to be in a tough band competition with him and McAdoo always trying to prove who's gnarlier. He just wants to race. But uh, it makes for a heck of a story, guys. Sorry. We're going to talk about it. Um, yeah, too bad. Yeah, too yeah. bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to exploit it for all it is. And, and they're gladiators, like you said. Let's go to uh, hot and not. Um, look, it's pretty obvious here. Eli Tomac is hot, but he needed it. We overanalyzed. Now we know Tampa was just a one-off weirdo race. And he did not take long to make a statement. That heat race, it was unbelievable and completely put Tampa to rest. The passes. the pa I mean, you, we got lucky. You put Webb, Sex, and Tomac all in the gate together for a heat race. We got two of them in one night. And I think that the, the coolest moment of the night is probably Tomac's two passes. Go back and watch in the heat race. 
The work he does on his two biggest rivals in a matter of 10 seconds was just phenomenal. And that to me was the reminder, not to us, not to you and me, not to the fans, not to the teams. That was his reminder to Cooper and to Chase. You think I had a bad weekend? You think this is a trend? Uh-uh, I'm gonna blow right by both of you and beat you in this heat race. But Tomac did answer the question for me. When he crashed in Anaheim, he bounced back with a win. When he had an off night in Tampa, he bounced back with a win. So the next time he has an off night, don't question it. He's probably winning the very next race. Um, and for Eli Tomac, the very next race for him, Jason, it's another milestone. For, uh, sorry, Eli, the next three races, you're, you're, we're talking records because you're right in the mix of some really good stuff. Yeah, so now he ties Carmichael. We really built that up in Tampa. Took one extra week to get it. Now James Stewart, second on the list, is only two races ahead of him. But Eli does not want to talk about that. Yeah, big statement by winning the race against his rivals. That's all he cares about, the here and the now. Just like when he was chasing Carmichael, he was asked about, can you catch James Stewart? And he said, I'll talk about that if I get there. He doesn't want to assume two more wins are coming. He is so locked in on right now, which is beating Sexton Webb and the rest of the field and winning this title. And it isn't going to be easy because Cooper Webb did what Cooper Webb does. You just, there is no gap that is large enough to hold this guy back. And then Eli makes a mistake in the last lap. And Daniel, you knew he had that special rhythm in the final jump. I thought for a second he was going to pull it off. Ricky said if he was two bike lengths closer, they would have had to reshoot off the fireworks from opening ceremonies in the last corner because he just had to be a little bit closer. But you're right. He could be a minute and a half down. You're like, oh, he should just yeah. quit. And then next thing you know, the white flag comes out and there he is. He's sitting there. He's just so sneaky. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. Eli is incredible, but Cooper Webb always makes it difficult late. He's just got to be a little bit closer to the front early so he can have the opportunity to use his racecraft. You can't use your racecraft if you're not there. Uh, and that's what Webb's special specialty is. He's got to be there. As far as as far as the specialty goes, uh, Jet Lawrence, go ahead, take it. What do you want to there's, say? There's not much to say any longer about 250 Supercross West. I mean, Jet Lawrence looks like he's on cruise control and he's still pulling away by a couple seconds per lap. So let's move to this. What we want to see is Jet Lawrence on a 450, and he keeps saying he's not going to race one in Supercross. You'll have to wait till Pro Motocross to get it. But then he casually mentions, this week I'm going to start riding the 450 on Supercross because that's what I've been riding the last couple of months. So it makes more sense to just stay with that. Come on, Daytona. It's a hybrid-ish. You want to get a little head start on motocross prep? Come on, Jet. You got two weeks. Get on that thing and race it. Don't be scared, Jet. It's fine. It's all good for you. It's great for all of us. But yes, ride the 450, please. Uh, just look. It would be great for your brand, Jet. All you got to do is say it's great for your brand and they'll do it. So, yes, it's great okay. for your brand, Jet. You need to race Daytona. Uh, but if we don't get that, East Rutherford, Jet and Hunter, yeah, <laughs> I'm here for that too. Uh, Jet looked fantastic, but I'm still big brother guy. So, uh, I, I got Hunter at the East-West Showdown. But, yeah, Jet, race Daytona on the 450, please. Uh, Jet, just do not race this weekend. Do not. Uh, because it's a triple crown that is proven to be his kryptonite that's not where he would want to make a 450 debut um but we like triple crowns it was so exciting anaheim 2 was just absolutely electric uh and will this shake things up eli tomac is traditionally good at triple crowns but let's not forget it was sexton who won the last time we had one poor chase Sexton. i, I jason i'm just gonna forward to next week's show <laughs> man sexton won again but guess what jason he's just a triple crown guy
couldn't do it in 20 plus one. Yeah, we can put the graphic on the screen right now, right? Like, uh, if he does win again, we're going to say yes. But until he does it in the 20 plus one, which he's only won one time, San Diego last year, his tragic hero story is just going to continue even if he wins. We'll see. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's Triple Crown. That's coming up in Arlington. That'll be exciting. And this topic now bridges both gaps, both hot and not. Ken Roxon wins a heat race and legit Jason Anderson, who has been super fast this year, could not get him in the heat race. And that's the first ever heat race win for his team. Progressive X-Star HEP Suzuki. Uh, but then the main, the main was probably the worst we've seen all year from him. I'm, I'll, I'll rip the bandaid off and I'm going to say it as quickly and harshly as possible. That was the best night for HEP Progressive Suzuki, period. They won the heat race. They haven't done that ever. Suzuki's popping bottles. Ken Roxon should be popping bottles. It's his first heat race win since Anaheim a year ago. Unbelievable night. And then also the worst night I've ever seen. That main event was a, is terrible. So when you leave there, you're you, it's perfect. He's hot and not. It was an incredible, terrible night for Ken Roxon and the Suzuki team. And I, I'm gutted for them, and I'm proud of them. That's weird, but that's the truth. Press release quote from Roxon was, not what we wanted, looking for more in Dallas. Okay. Uh, Sexton, okay. we're going to put on the not list again. It's the same debate we have every darn week. It's actually not terrible. He still could easily win this championship. And you notice, even Cooper Webb, who likes to play the mind games, you're not seeing any trash talk, anyone trying to get in Sexton's head. I think even Tomac and Webb know, hey, this is in this guy's control. If he puts it all together, there's not much we can do. But he's not doing it. So he's on the not list. Sorry, Chase. Well, we put we put Roxon in the hot and not list. Uh, Sexton at the end of the year is going to be in the hot or not list, depending on how this goes. Either this is going to be a heroic championship with all the hurdles he faced. We just kicked the we kicked the dead horse for weeks, and then he overcame it and became a champion. Or he's going to look back and go like, "Wow, I really they just kicked the dead horse all year long, and I lost this thing." So uh, he's at, he's at the crossroads. That's all I got to say that he. This whole year is either going to be hot or not, and he needs to figure it out quick because it's it's going to go one way or the other here, I think, pretty soon. Real quick shout-out to a couple 250 riders that went down in practice. Our buddy Phil Nicoletti crashed in the whoops in free practice, dislocated wrist, spent like six hours in the hospital with his wrist in traction to get it back into place. He's got surgery this week. So filthy Phil for uh, Club of X, FXR, Muckoff Yamaha is going to be off for a while. Styles Robertson did go down in practice, didn't race the main. That's a bummer because he had won one of the Triple Crown races at Anaheim, but the team says star racing. It's not that bad. He should be back in Seattle. Probably going to be a longer on the mend uh, for Phil. So that's a bummer there for uh, some popular guys. And speaking of popular, let's get into the drama. Let's get into it. First of all, we have the great Justin Brayton really upgrading the analysis chair of Race Day Live again. Great to have Brayton there. And he said he wanted to do a sit-down interview. He picked Justin Barsha as his first ever subject. And this is what he got when he broached the subject of Jason Anderson with Barsha. All right, last thing. Anderson. Yeah. What's what's the deal, you guys? <sighs> we should have a. We should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you get into it as kids? Like, were you? No. I no, mean, did you so, date his girlfriend in middle school? No, like, what? Nothing. No, it's so crazy, right? Um, yeah, he just hates me. It's a shame, but it is what it is. You know, I can't. Not everyone's gonna love me. So you um, think that, like, he? I mean, he must, must, doesn't, right? Doesn't like yeah, I don't know. I can't talk to him because it's just. I, you know, I don't think that's gonna happen, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just don't, not a fan of me, and that's fine. He hates me. He hates me. But honestly, he probably does. It's probably honest. 
Sorry, Justin Barsha, but I hate to um, hate to bring this to light, but they all hate you. Just throwing that out there. I, I, honestly, Adam Cincerello, Adam Cincerello hates you. Colt Nichols hates you. Justin Anderson, or Jason Anderson hates you. They all hate you. So, yeah. uh, and, and the Justin best part is. He just retired now. That's the only difference. Yeah. The best part is I don't think Barsha cares. I think he laughs at it and he doesn't care. So, uh, no, I, I'm glad that he got that soundbite and it is truth. But sorry, Justin, they all hate you. All 31 Super Motocross World Championship events can be streamed domestically. That's here in the U.S. on Peacock. So to subscribe, go to PeacockTV.com slash sports slash Super Motocross. And for the fans of Super Motocross, they'll have a chance to watch it all year long on Peacock, NBC, and USA Network. And for the international fans, you can join in the fun by getting the Super Motocross Video Pass. Go to supermotocross.tv to purchase access to every moment of the 2023 Supercross season, the Pro Motocross season, and of course, Super Motocross live events in one place. Plus, get over 800 plus hours of archived races. Okay, welcome to Fowler's Facts. This is where we bring our staff statistician, Clinton Fowler, on to break down the numbers. The big number to talk about this week is 48. That is the wins that Eli Tomac has. He's now tied Ricky Carmichael, as we mentioned earlier in the show. But, Clinton, I'm sure you have a lot more intriguing numbers than just that. We there's definitely some cool stuff to look at. Uh, the first one is just looking at how much of a legend Eli is here in total SMX rankings. Third in wins, fourth in podiums, fourth in points, 12th in starts. And that's combined Supercross and Motocross. So amazing career so far. Obviously that 48th win is, is an incredible moment. Um, but now you just look at it in total. You look at it across, across both Supercross and Motocross. It's just incredibly impressive. And I do want to highlight, Weege, if he finishes every main for the rest of the year, he'll finish one slot behind the one and only Justin Brayton um in in all-time starts it's not a problem in my world brayton's going to come back and get a bunch more wins and podiums we are not done yet so tomac's not going to catch us uh daniel i, I got to think about brayton what are you seeing with the tomac numbers oh well i see an opportunity to explain uh the unique place we are in in history the combination of the supercross and motocross series with the super motocross world championship gives us a chance to look at stats differently clinton it's been perfect timing this year for you to be diving deep on this because for the first time ever, we do have a unified stat between Supercross and Motocross, and that's not something we've typically looked at. Yeah, Daniel, the, the Super Motocross Championship really does give us this great opportunity to bring Supercross and Motocross, put them together and see who's the best in the sport holistically. So a great opportunity. And hey, let's take a look at wins. Let's combine Supercross and Motocross. And not surprising, guys, Ricky Carmichael sits at the top with 124 wins. In motocross alone, he won 86% of the races he entered, which is just mind-boggling to ponder. Um, but Eli is third on the list. He's got 80 wins. And I'm a little bit surprised as well. And Weege, I think you mentioned it, to see a guy like Jeremy McGrath at 87 but obviously, you know, his, his super his supercross strength really shows there. But guys, to Eli Tomac, the thing I really want to hit on, his last four wins are as a 30-year-old. And he's 153 starts, supercross starts into his career. 
To me, that's a statement of longevity and performance. And I think that's maybe the most impressive thing so far about his career. Yeah, normally on this show, it's uh, you have the data, you have the head, we have the heart, but you came up with this theory yourself. This is beyond the data point. We get on Tomac's case when he has a weirdo race, we call it, like a distant fifth in Tampa. But there is a world where you could see Tomac on a night he's not feeling it, trying to send it and win anyway, crashing, getting hurt. And those injuries add up over time. Maybe we don't get to 30 years old and this competitive with Eli Tomac. That was your theory. I thought that was really cool, kind of between the numbers. He's not taking nearly the physical toll as someone who on a night doesn't feel it tries to win anyway. Maybe that explains the occasional bad ride. Yeah, Weege, I thought your interview with with Eli in, in Oakland was pretty amazing. It, was, it just drilled in and he really opened up about saying, listen, I just wasn't comfortable in Tampa. That's why I got fifth place. And if you just apply that thinking, we're used to him hitting beast mode as the norm, right? He's got 48 Supercross wins, 80 Super Motocross wins. We're used to him winning. And so when he gets a fifth, it's an anomaly. Maybe the reason he's lasted 153 races is because he rides within his limits. So um, I think that's really, really impressive. I do also want to highlight, he got the 48th win. Um, he also got his 88th Supercross podium last week in Oakland that that unbreaks the tie with Ricky Carmichael for fourth all time so he's now a clear fourth in Supercross podium so I think that's incredibly impressive as well and, and worthy of noting and Clinton when you talk longevity that allows a rider to stack an insane amount of total points which I've never looked at I've never thought about but you found something super unique with Eli Tomac's total numbers Yep, Daniel, it is really, really cool stat. I think it might be the coolest of the ones we're going to talk about here. Eli Tomac becomes the third rider to cross 9,000 points in his career. That 9,000 combining Supercross, Motocross in both classes. Um, he joins Mike Larocco, who guys has got over 10,000 points. He joins Kevin Windham, who's just over 9,000. And amazingly, in Daytona, he has a chance to actually pass, tire pass, but really probably pass Kevin Windham for second all time on the, the total points scored list. So I think it's really, really impressive. And the last thing I'll highlight, he's done it slightly faster than those guys. He did it in 319 races. Those guys took 366 and 376. Um, so just incredibly impressive and also just a cool stat. I mean, there's only three guys in that category. Eli's one of them. Yeah, congrats, Mike LaRocco. Who knew? You've scored the most points in the history of the sport. And this does speak to Tomac has a lot of wins. A couple guys have more, but they're not even close on points. So it really shows the total. Tomac wins a lot, but that durability and longevity makes him a pretty good, compelling package as an all-timer. That's great stuff. Thanks, Clinton. We'll see you in Arlington. And the championship, the story, the title fight moves to Arlington if you want to watch it. Start with Race Day Live, 2.30 Eastern on Peacock. Of course, the racing is at 8 o'clock Eastern on Peacock. You can watch the post-race show at supermotocross.com or right here on the YouTube page. And there's a re-air at 1 a.m. on CNBC from the Arlington Supercross Triple Crown, Weege. Yeah, so two things we're going to find out. A, in the 250s, is Hunter Lawrence as bad at Triple Crowns as his brother Jet? Maybe that's the opportunity. 250 East contenders need to get back in it. And then the other story, of course... We're getting Sexton, Tomac, and Webb all good at the same time. That's what's made it so compelling so far. And then the Triple Crown format should be even better. 
and they all have a reason to be excited. Tomac's the best rider in Triple Crown history. Stats would back that up. Chase Sexton has won one race this year out of Triple Crown. You know he's good in that environment. And then how about that building? The closest finish in Supercross history. Cooper Webb got that victory that night in an epic drag race. So he's going to a place where he's really good too. Uh, so they all have a reason to be excited and fired up. And the best part is we get to call it, we get to watch it. And then next week, we, we get to break it down. Yep, we're fired up too. We are your SMX Insiders. He's Daniel. I'm Jason. We'll see you next week.